Your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is officially Friday, September 18th, 2020, but think of this as Thursday, September 17th, 2020. Hope you all are doing well. My name is Danny Webster, and I appreciate you stopping by for today's episode as we continue our off-season coverage of the Vegas Golden Knights as the current NHL season continues to wind down ever so slowly. We are down to two teams that will be playing for the Stanley Cup. We will be discussing the matchup between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Dallas Stars later on in the show. But first, we do need to talk more Golden Knights and the offseason that lies ahead for Vegas. And really, the future outlook of this roster, we're, we're going to start with that. Today is going to be the overall theme of the roster. One, how it looks right now. Two, who may stay and who may go. Those are really the big things that we're going to be focusing on today. But let's start with this. The future outlook of this roster. The Golden Knights are in an interesting predicament this offseason. Through two offseasons, they haven't been big spenders in free agency. And really, when you think about it, after year one, you would have thought maybe they could have done some things to kind of break the bank. They ended up signing Paul Stasny to a three-year deal as cap hit of $6.5 million dollars. They also signed Ryan Reeves to a contract extension and then signed Nick Holden to a deal. Really, that was it for year one. Knowing how much cap space they were going to have, they also did sign Marc-Andre Fleury to a new contract extension as well to kind of balance out that ordeal. Year two came with cap complications because obviously they also went ahead and traded for Max Pacioretty, signed him to an extension at $7 million a cap hit, and then they acquired Mark Stone at the trade deadline, signed him to $9.5 million. Topping all of that with the extensions of Alex Tuck, Shea Theodore, Nate Schmidt, all across the board, the cap got a little bit crazy. And in year two, the Golden Knights had to make some moves to become cap compliant. And part of that also included signing William Carlson to his eight-year deal, along with trading Eric Halla, Colin Miller, and Nikita Gusev. So really through two off-seasons, the Golden Knights have not been as busy. They have not been as really in the in the really in the know, I guess, or in the running, I should say, is a better phrase for that. In the running for the big fish, um, in in a sense, year three might be different, and it depends on how the Golden Knights handle their roster construction. Per cap friendly, the Golden Knights are sitting at about four point nine four million dollars in cap space. There's still the matter of signing Nick Cousins and Chandler Stevenson to new deals as restricted free agents, if possible. Depending on how Pete DeBoer views these guys, I know he loves Nick Cousins on that third line, how he viewed Stevenson and how Stevenson really did not play that well in the playoffs may also play a factor before we hit October 9th. And again, even when you get to the point where you can qualify a restricted free agent, I'm not exactly sure off the top of my head if the calendar dates have been set for where it's like a December 1st situation where if a player gets gets qualifying offer and he doesn't sign, he doesn't play for the rest of the year. I think that still has to be ironed out to the best of my knowledge. Then you look at the UFAs. 
Tomas Nosek, Derek England, John Mayo, John Mayo, John Merrill. I had, a, I had a weird combination of like John Merrill and OJ Mayo there for a second. I'm not exactly sure how that happened, but John Merrill. Uh, the three skaters that are UFAs, and I don't see either one of them returning. Uh, maybe Tomas Nosek, if he gets a multi-year deal, but if he gets a multi-year deal from another team, he's as good as gone. He's been playing on one-year deals ever since he was selected from Vegas in the expansion draft. Derek England, again, the, the big talk is that maybe he signs on to be a member of the Golden Knights front office, Golden Knights organization, you know, there maybe there maybe is a chance that he still feels like he has the energy to play. If that's the case, it might be with another team. And John Merrill, I think, just because of how crowded the blue line is right now and how crowded the blue line can get in the coming, really in the coming months, I don't I don't see John Merrill coming back unless they decide to play him at fourth line forward. Which you know you can't go wrong with that. So on the surface, we shouldn't expect the Golden Knights to be as busy. In the weeks leading up to October 9th, there was an urgency to Vegas trading Colin Miller, trading Eric Halla. They obviously went in subsequent days, I think like three days apart or even maybe sooner than that, because, you know, 2019 was so dang long ago that there wasn't really much urgency to get those guys done, even though the Golden Knights really tried their hardest to become cap compliant before July 1st, which eventually they did but they still had to make some things happen, especially when they signed Carlson to his long-term deal. So who knows? It could happen again. There is a chance, and again, I'm not reporting anything, I'm not saying anything that would you know, you know, crash the airwaves or anything like that, but there is a possibility that Golden Knights could be active sellers before free agency begins on October 9th. But if the Golden Knights are in a position to make some moves again, who would stay and who would go? That, I think, is the big question, because at, at its current crux, the Golden Knights, if they were going to make any moves between now and the start of free agency, it's going to come at the expense of some of the core players that are carrying substantial cap hits that could also be, you know, turned aside, really, for either relief or more cap space or better players that fit that position. And would said trades, if they were to happen, if they were to involve enough cap space, would the Golden Knights be in a running for a big fish in free agency? Because again, they have not been in the position to do so. And with a flat cap, there isn't going to be a lot of teams in the running for the big names. And the Golden Knights have one of those big names at their disposal right now, which is Robin Leonard. Coming up in a bit, we will dive into that very discussion as I have thought of some names that the Golden Knights may entertain trading, as well as what it means for how the Golden Knights are going to handle their cap situation and their roster going forward. We will discuss that in just a little bit. Today's episode is brought to you in part by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand via warehouse that it happens to carry? 
you have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know what we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Between never-ending laundry cycles and incoming emails, you've got plenty on your to-do list. Give yourself one listing to worry about and let DoorDash take care of your next meal. DoorDash is the app that brings you food to your craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and even the Cheesecake Factory, because right now, Who wouldn't like a nice slice of cheesecake knowing that the Golden Knights are out of the playoffs now? Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDONNHL. Again, that's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code LOCKEDONNHL. Don't forget, that's code LOCKEDONNHL for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. And as a reminder, friends, you can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnVGK. You can follow me on Twitter as well at DannyWebster21. If you would like to send in an email for future mailbag questions, you can do so to LockedOnGoldenKnights at gmail.com. And again, I appreciate you hanging out with me today as this is likely going to be a double dip episode since this is obviously going up on Thursday. We will have another episode later up today, probably to get you ready for the Stanley Cup final as we'll give a slight preview later on in the show. So the big question as it pertains between now and October 9th is what are the Golden Knights going to do this offseason? And I think the bigger question, if the Golden Knights are going to create the cap space needed to do whatever it is they want to do or whatever has been reportedly planned in their offseason, this goes two ways. One, do the, do the players Peter DeBoer have at his disposal fit his system? And two, how active do the Golden Knights want to be between now and October 9th? Because again, as we touched on earlier, they haven't really been as active on, on the first day of free agency, as opposed to later on, say, in the summer, when you go out and make a big trade, like a Halla, like a Miller, like a Pacioretty, like a Stone later on in the deadline. The Golden Knights have never, have not so far to this point, have been known to spend big or to sell big at the trade deadline. The bulk of the core of the players at this roster right now are Gerard Gallant's players. And, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. For two years, they worked under his system. Guys who like to use their speed on the rush, create scoring chances, possibly create deflections in front, possibly try to outskate the opponent. DeBoer said himself that mainly in those situations, that would not work in the playoffs. I mean, it, it worked essentially to two playoff appearances and, you know, one trip to the playoffs that should have been more than, you know, the first round. But I, I digress, of course. 
But DeBoer's system is different, and the Golden Knights obviously going with Pete DeBoer. They have to tailor the roster that bets that best fits what he wants to do. Heavy offense, pressure on defense, not a lot of speed from down the middle of the ice, but you have guys that can generate from the outside in, which in stints, the guys that you have currently could work in that situation, but the veterans who have been around for two, three years, who have been so used to being as successful as they have been because of Gerard Gallant's system, that might not work now. A lot of the guys don't fit that mold. And some of the guys that don't fit also carry decent cap hits that could make things interesting in the realms of free agency and the weeks leading up to it. Who are those guys? I have three. I I believe I have three written down here. I do have three written down here. Now, this isn't to say, once again, this is not to say that the Golden Knights are going to trade these guys between now and October 9th. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is is that if you are the Golden Knights and if you really want to be serious about what you have done making three straight playoff appearances and how you want to retool and go at this again in year four, which would be technically the full first year under DeBoer, you're going to need to get the right guys. Some of that may include getting rid of guys that have been a part of this team Since year one, it could also include getting rid of guys that may not fit the system. The first guy who I think should be in consideration for that is Jonathan Marcheseau. Seven goals in 23 regular season games when Pete DeBoer got hired. Now, keep in mind, I believe he finished with about 20 goals, so not a lot of goals leading up to this entire season. But three goals in the entire postseason, all coming in the first nine games, none of them in the final 11. Now, again, the scoring drought that the Golden Knights were on, it's not just Marshall It's a whole bunch of other guys. But when you look at Marshall and how reliable he needs to be to score goals in tight spots and how good he is as a sniper and how good he, of a shot he has, you have to wonder if he's going to be a long-term fit for this team. And again, none of these decisions are going to be popular, but you have to think of it from that point of view. At one point, he seemed like someone who would be the captain of this team because he's the most vocal. He's one of the most reliable guys to rally the locker room. But now it's a wonder if he can even work on his team because now, since you've made the decision to go with a different coach, you have to understand the personnel that you have. And if it doesn't work, then of course you have to make some decisions. And that was hopefully a question that I was hoping to ask Kelly McCrimmon the other day. Uh, but, you know, you got to love Zoom and, you know, you hit the raise hand function and nobody knows that your hand is raised. So that's always fun. But that was going to be the one question I was going to ask Kelly McCrimmon. And I'm sure he would have given me the cliche answer. But how much of an input is Peter DeBoer going to have during free agency, during the draft, the weeks leading up to free agency to kind of lay the blueprint of what kind of team he wants to assemble? On a roster that is in need of goal scoring, Marshall needed to deliver in the playoffs. And I don't think he did. And again, the the $5 million cap hit that he carries, could he be available on the market for goal scoring? And can Vegas find one in a possible trade that might be better? That That's really what it boils down to. Braden McNabb is another name. Uh, struggled with Nate Schmidt in the in the postseason. Costly turnovers, no impactful plays. And I, and I mean, it's hard to say, you know, you rely on a defensive defenseman to be as impactful as you can be, but really there weren't many 
there weren't many plays that stuck out in my head when I was watching Braden McNabb this postseason. And the one reason I would suggest to put Braden McNabb in a potential trade is the trust that Zach Whitecloud has created with Pete DeBoer. DeBoer has talked about giving the other young guys a look next year. Nick Haig, Dylan Coughlin, maybe a Jimmy Schultz. And maybe if the pie-in-the-sky scenario of Alex Petrangelo is off the table, McNabb could be moved to give White Cloud a top-four promotion that, quite honestly, he deserves. His play throughout the postseason, we talked a lot about Shea Theodore and his ascension as to being a Norris-caliber defenseman. We, I don't think Zach White Cloud, outside of Las Vegas, got, a lot of, got as much praise as he deserved. The fact that this kid went in with, what, 20-some-odd, maybe less than that, 20-some-odd starts to his name, slides right in to a to a defensive pairing with Nick Holden, it essentially takes Derek Englund out of the lineup, takes John Merrill out of the lineup. He was the Golden Knights' best penalty killer by far. It is not even close. He led the team in, in shorthanded time on ice. He was basically the most reliable penalty killer that the Golden Knights had. And at, and at times before, that used to be Derek Englund. That used to be Braden McNabb. A pairing of Zach Whitecloud and Nate Schmidt as preferably your second pairing, because I think your first pairing should be Alec Martinez and Shea Theodore, a pairing of White Cloud and Schmidt might be an experiment worth trying. And I know a lot of people gave Nate Schmidt a lot of crap uh, throughout the postseason, and some of it was definitely well-deserved. But I thought as the playoffs went on, Nate Schmidt was a really good defenseman, and I thought in Game 5 against Dallas, he was probably their best player you know, from end to end. I thought he was fantastic, and he definitely did not cost Vegas that game five. It, could he have played a little bit better? Absolutely. But I think part of it has to do with Braden McNabb not getting the job done. And I think if you are going to trade somebody, he's a very affordable cap hit to trade at $2.5 million, I believe, for the next couple of years. He is somebody that I think does not quite fit the mold of the stay-at-home agile defenseman that DeBoer wants. And I think that might be something that that the Golden Knights might look into. The third name that I have written down is Paul Stasny. Now, I, I know I've mentioned Stasny's name in trade talks before, but it has nothing really to do, and it's never really been about his play. I think Paul Stasny could really fit DeBoer's system, and I thought he played well in a lot of stints throughout the postseason, and I think he's definitely valuable as a guy that's, one, a veteran, two, that can win faceoffs and can score timely goals when needed. The question as it pertains to Stasny is not whether or not he can fit on this team. The question is, is Cody Glass someone that can play DeBoer's style and play it a little bit better? Now, Stasny's contract, while expensive at $6.5 million, is going into an expiring deal, which could make it a little bit easier for him to move. Now, DeBoer has not seen Glass much yet uh, during his time in Vegas, but if it's time for a lot of young guys to get the chance to play, the, the the clock is going to tick on Cody Glass. And obviously in his rookie year, him not being healthy, him getting knocked out numerous times and then having the season-ending knee injury that he had, there are a lot of questions with Glass. But at the end of the day, he is still, as it stands, your top prospect in the organization. Whether hook or by crook, Cody Glass is going to need to deliver at some point. The question is, can he fit in DeBoer's system? And I think if DeBoer gets a chance to 
look further at the tape of what Glass can bring and how he can implement him into a full training camp, into a full, in a full-time way, then I think it's not out of the realm of possibility for Cody Glass to slide into a top six or top nine role next year. And if you're going to do that, the one guy you are going to have to consider moving on from, if you can, at that cap hit, which again, may look expensive, but expiring deals are a lot more easier to trade than, say, Jonathan Marchessault's with about three, what, three or four more years left on that deal. Brady McNabb has a couple of years left on his deal. Stasny's contract might be the easiest to move if you feel Glass can slide into a top six role or a top nine role immediately next year. And again, he got his chance last year because Cody Eakin was hurt and because Alex Tuck was hurt uh, before the season started. So Glass got his spot and in between Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone, I thought he played well. And I think that that combination worked for the young kid. And I think it worked well with Stone and Pacioretty. Now, the question would be, do you want to break Carlson, Pacioretty, and Stone up in favor of Glass? Because you want to give Glass the best position to succeed. That is another indication that we need to think about. And if you have Carlson and Riley Smith, if you end up trading Marshall, then who do you put on his wing? There are a lot of different factors here that we need to consider along with trading these guys. And again, don't get me wrong. I think Paul Stasny is a very valuable veteran and he's a very valuable asset to this team. Is he worth six and a half million? He's not playing like a six and a half million dollar center, which is why if you still have glass on his ELC, you might want to be able to give him a chance and see what he can do in a top six or a top nine role. So if you are Pete DeBoer and if you are comfortable with where you are and putting in your assessment with Cody Glass and you think he can be a full-time NHLer next year, then Paul Stasny might be the sacrificial lamb in terms of getting traded. I know I didn't mention Mark andre Fleury, though it seems evident at this point he will be on the block. There has been nothing to indicate any further since yesterday that Marc-Andre Fleury is not going to be traded. And that's still an entirely different situation because what I think is going to happen here is that if the Golden Knights are serious about signing Robin Leonard to a long-term deal, we're going to have to see something on Fleury within the next week or two. Because the longer this drags on and the longer this drags to October 9th, that's going to be a precarious situation for the Golden Knights to be in. If they don't commit until then, to Robin Leonard, which again, all reporting aside, you have multiple reports saying that there's a five-year deal on the table. Nothing may have been agreed to, but if it's on the table, you know Robin Leonard is not going to turn away term. So to me, it is only a matter of time before Flurry goes on the block. And then the question is, well, how do you handle the situation there? Do you even contemplate a buyout and, t- and bite the cap hit? Do you trade him outright and maybe retain, if you can, 30 to 35% of his salary? It probably will take 50. But at the end of the day, I think it's safe to assume that Flurry is on the block. And if he's somehow not traded between now and October 9th, things are going to get a little bit interesting as far as that goes. But those are the three names that I feel if the Golden Knights are going to make a move, those are the guys that need to get it done. And that is how I feel the roster is looking. We'll have more to talk about 
probably tomorrow, probably later today, and later on next week as we go along about what the current outlook of this team will be, and that will be assessed you know, later on as we go along. Coming up next, the Stanley Cup final is set. The two team, the final two teams are set, and we will be looking ahead to the Cup final in just a moment. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship to you with a free two-day free shipping plan. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL. GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL. So the Stanley Cup final is indeed ready to go. It will be the Dallas Stars taking on the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Lightning won 2-1 in overtime on Thursday night to advance to the Cup final for the third time in franchise history. Game 1 will be on Saturday night. Anthony Sorelli with the winner in overtime to eliminate the Islanders in six games. First of all, huge kudos to the New York Islanders for a tremendous playoff run starting all the way in the qualifying round, leading all the way up to a spot in the Eastern Conference Final, and they were very close. I mean, very, very close to forcing a Game 7 in this matchup. Andre Vasilevsky came up with some big saves down down the stretch. Braden Point also played in this game. The Islanders looked like they neutralized... Tampa's offense for one more game. If they could have just held on and got one more goal, we would be talking about a game seven on Saturday night, which, I mean, whew, kudos to Barry Trotz and the New York Islanders. Hell of an effort, hell of a job. The Islanders are going to be a force for a very, very long time. But this should be a fun matchup in the Stanley Cup final. Game one is on Saturday. Interesting, uh, Interestingly enough, There is a back-to-back in games four and five should the series go that far. And with this series starting on Saturday, the seventh game, should we also get there, would be set for September 30th, which is well in advance of the October 2nd end date that had been proposed around uh, before the return to play started. So it looks like that The way this is going, the NHL is going to have about a week, maybe a little bit less than a week, maybe a little bit more, depending on how this series goes, in terms of preparing for the draft, in terms of preparing for free agency. So that is pretty good news, if you ask me. If Dallas's offense can get going, and I think we'll talk a little bit more about this tomorrow, but if Dallas's offense can get it going against Tampa, not really to the extent of how it was against Colorado, but if it can find the middle ground between how it played against Vegas and how it played against Colorado... This will be an even series because I think Tampa is going to run into a defensive problem with Dallas. I think Dallas will do much like what they did against the Golden Knights, clog up the neutral zone, force the Lightning to beat them from the point, try and eliminate any rebound chances. If Anton Kudobin can can give you at least two wins 
I think you're in pretty good shape if you're Dallas. But the Stars will need to put up more than 25 shots a night on the board if they want to get on the board in this series. Tampa is a heavy favorite. They are at minus 200, according to MGM, to win the series in general. Dallas is at plus 170, and, and I'm not really a betting man, but I will say this. At Dallas at plus 170, that's not bad to throw about 20 bones on there. I, I think that's pretty decent price if you want to throw $20 on there, maybe a little bit more. But plus 170 on Dallas is not that bad considering you always like to roll with the team that's playing as best hockey and playing as on fire as they are like the Dallas Stars. And again, I think the rest is going to help them a lot knowing that they eliminated Vegas in five games and Tampa had to go another day before they eliminated the Islanders. I think that plays a huge factor, especially in a bubble when you have been playing so many games on top of each other as the days have gone on, which now you're eclipsing 50-plus days in the bubble to this point. I think it's going to be an entertaining series, and I think Dallas is going to make it competitive, but man, it is so hard to not pick the stars and see if they can ride this wave of momentum with Rick Bonus to a cup. So sticking with probably favoritism and whatnot. I will take the stars. Why not? And I will take the stars in seven. I think that they, you always want to pick the team that's riding hot at the right time. The St. Louis blues proved that last year, the Washington capitals proved that the year before the Nashville predators nearly proved that theory three years ago when they made the run all the way to the cup final and took the penguins to six games. Everything depends on if you are playing hockey really good at the right time. It may not be the most perfect hockey, but it is the hockey that builds the momentum as the days go by. So I will take Dallas. Why the heck not? We'll probably break it down a little bit more tomorrow, but or later today, I should say. But I'll take Dallas. Why the heck not? I, I mean, why the heck not? So that is that, and that will conclude today's episode, everybody. I appreciate you hanging out with me. I know it's a little bit later than usual to get this podcast up. The plan is to do another one later today, so be on the lookout for that as we will dive a little bit more into the Golden Knights offseason and as we also will do that later on in the week. I had a thought in my head and it kind of went away, so hopefully you understood that part. But nevertheless, thank you all for downloading, sharing, listening, subscribing. All of that jazz is greatly appreciated. Again, follow, follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnVGK. Follow me on Twitter at DannyWebster21. Send an email to LockedOnGoldenKnights at gmail.com. All of it is greatly appreciated. And I appreciate you for hanging out with me today. So until next time, everybody, I am Danny Webster. This has been Locked on Golden Knights, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. The season is almost over. We are down to the Stanley Cup final. Have a good day, everybody.